When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, what's up? How we doing Wednesday, September the 21st, 2022, here on this hump day. Hope y'all are doing well. Appreciate you all tuning in. Of course, as always, I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. I see Stephen Borville Jr., Gad, Brendan, Travi, Chase, Jonathan Lee, Todd Smith, Cody Gaskins, DC, Counter Titan, Allen. What's going on? Kins, let there be slam. Appreciate you all tuning in also. You're in the Big Cock Club Discord over the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel, to be sure <clears throat> that your questions are answered there. Again, guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. In just about two or three minutes, we'll have Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus join us. And then after that, we'll take your questions. We'll take your calls a lot, by the way, here on this Wednesday to react and get into Coach Ford. I see you in the chat as well. Shout out to Coach Ford tuning in. But there is a lot to dive into, a lot to dissect. I'm sure a lot of our folks that tune in on a normal basis, they're probably over uh, at the South Carolina Gamecocks YouTube channel listening to what Marcus Satterfield and Clayton White have to say, especially Sat, because I'm sure there's many of you out there that are curious just what in the world. And heck, I'm curious too in regards to what he has to say. Guys, we got the new cap on as well. We're breaking this bad boy in. Um, I'm sure Luke RJ is a big, big fan of this hat. I love it personally, so whatever. Um, Either way, guys, got a lot to get into here on this Wednesday. Before we do, let me tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks because the Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Go down to the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, obviously, gambling is woven in the fabric of college football and sports in general. Uh, I know you bet on spreads, totals, futures, all that good stuff, but make sure you are playing your prop plays and your weekly plays as well because there's tons of money to be made with our friends at Prize Picks. You can bet on things like passing yards, rushing yards, interceptions, touchdowns, all that good stuff, and not just for college football NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, anything and everything you can think of. So, again, guys, that's our friends at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Um, Just a couple of minutes, guys, like I said. Just a couple of minutes, like I said, we will have Anthony Treesh. Joining the show of Pro Football Focus. Excited to chat with him. And uh, I don't know how much time we're really going to spend on the Georgia game or even where this, uh, you know, where, where, where this conversation is going to go because uh, there, there's not a whole lot. I'm sure the grades are ugly. And I mean ugly, ugly for South Carolina after that game on Saturday. Guys, I promise you, Joshua Klein, I see the comments. Travis Lee, the Josh Van podcast comments right a lot of comments regarding that the josh van podcast comments guys i promise you we will get into that i promise we'll take your calls after we have anthony treesh on 
Again, he's going to join us in the next minute or so. But last night was a wild content night, right? It was a wild content night. When you have Josh Vann's comment on their podcast, whatever, completely cocky, whatever it's called with he and Darius Rush. You've got uh, Frank Martin being a slap dick on some podcast talking about he got fired from South Carolina for winning. That's news to me, I guess. Um, That's somewhat news to me. Um, So you got that. It was just a wild content night last night, you know. And on that note, I'll say this. It's it's so funny to see some of the people on, on Twitter saying, like, don't post this. Don't reshare this. Guys, I'm a content man. Asking me not to share content is like asking a fish not to swim, right? So, I, you know, I don't know. The, the, the comments from Josh Van were interesting. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm more so worried about the production on the field versus the comments from Josh Van. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I, I'm more so, <clears throat> I'm more so worried about the play on the field. But they were interesting comments nonetheless. They were interesting comments and, I mean, guys, they're the ones that put them out there on a public platform. I think that that entire podcast, obviously that podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff, and, and then YouTube as well. So if you don't want stuff like that shared, maybe don't share that on your podcast because as someone that's in this game, as someone that's in this thing that can speak from experience, I will tell you anything and everything you say and share can and will be used against you. So lesson number one for Josh Van and Darius Rush when it comes to the podcast game Anything and everything, whether you think it's a big deal or not, can be used against you. So if you don't want something like that shared to the masses, just don't say it in the first place. Take care of that stuff behind closed doors, right? <clears throat> Anyways, guys, hey, those tune in the Daily Crow podcast version. I appreciate y'all. And for those that don't know, the Daily Crow is available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, guys. You can check that out. Um, also, guys, I'll just say this while we wait on Anthony Treesh. If you notice that I'm not in the studio over the next coming weeks and I'm kind of in different locations, totally normal. It's planned. Um, I will. I'm planning on taking advantage of some of the unique flexibility with the business and going on the road and doing the show and all that good stuff. Uh, just want to let you guys know, give you guys a heads up. But uh, either way, we're going to be rocking, going to be roll, rolling. We are in the heat of football season. With that being said, we've got our good friend. He joins us every single Wednesday around this time. It gives us the pro football focus view of things. Of course, I'm talking Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Anthony, what's going on, man? Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me back on. I don't know why I'm zoomed in so much. As, as you remember last week, computer crashed on me. Had to get a new one, so I had to download Chrome real quick. Had to get so. a new one. Okay. I hey, did. It's, so it's, it's been all good, a man. We're, I, I like having you front and center there, my guy. It's, it's whatever works, whatever works. It's, uh, you know, we we thankfully yeah. are – there we go. There he is. Our, uh, our, the streaming platform, my end, is crazy there for a couple of weeks. The, the Melon platform, whatever, which is – uh, a branch of Streamlabs that's neither here nor there, but was going crazy. It just shows technology is great until it isn't, whatever. We're a one-man show here. We just make it rock either way. Anyways, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. You know, it's funny. I, I was thinking in my head, I was like, this might be the shortest conversation Anthony and I will have in his weekly appearances because after you get drubbed 48 to 7, I, I mean, I just don't really know what there is to say. <laughs> you look at that game. I guess I'll ask you before we dive into the numbers and the grades and all that stuff. How surprised were you, if surprised at all, at just 
how lopsided it was. Because, you know, I picked 41 to 10, but I thought it might be like 17 to 7 at half and kind of one of those games where, you know, just Georgia over time just sort of wore down the Gamecocks and, you know, South Carolina gave their best effort. But, I mean, Anthony, from the opening snap, that, that game was never competitive. I mean, 24 to nothing at halftime. It got to 38 nothing. It got to 48 to nothing. The only reason South kind of scores is because the dogs, I think, literally put their scout team in there, right? I thought Kirby Smart himself was playing defensive back. Um, just talk about, again, that game, and were you surprised at all? And how impressed, I guess, were you with Georgia as well? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised they got beat, you know, handedly, but I, I am a little surprised that there was just nothing there. I mean, we had the, the throw from out there at the beginning of the game to Jaheim Bell. I mean, it was a beautiful big-time throw, but after that, it was nothing. Right. I mean, we, we just didn't see anything. Um, and it was really every single facet from South Carolina that just performed poorly. And I think that's on the players and the coaches. I mean, it was just an all around disaster. So I think it was I was just a tad surprised that it was as bad as it was, because I, I really do think it was probably a worst case scenario game um, from start to finish, like you're kind of outlining. Um, and I, I think from a Georgia perspective, I've been. I've been shocked from the get-go, just like all of these young, inexperienced players. I mean, highly regarded recruits, but still, they, they look like they're super seniors out there with how refined they are, right? I mean, you just don't see that from a typical op or defense um, anywhere in college football, and that's a, that's a testament to the coaching stuff that they have there. So, you know, I, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think Georgia's probably better than – everybody thought and I think everybody was pretty high on Georgia entering the year of course after winning the national title but I mean they're not skipping a beat after seeing all their talent go to the NFL level um and then from a South Carolina perspective again it was worst case scenario I mean they got a lot to clean up you know I've been talking the last couple of you know through the first two games you know just some of their issues and it's not time to you know press the panic button yet but I think you know after something like this it's getting we're getting closer and closer and I think I mean, this week they should take care of business against an underwhelming Charlotte team that's had some has major holes on both sides of the ball. But, you know, I mean, if they struggle just even a little bit, then I think that's when you press it. I mean, this is a game where you need to go out there and you need to handle business by a considerable margin and control it from start to finish. Sticking with Georgia, Anthony, because I, I feel like, you know, we look at that game and, and trying to really just take all my biases out of it. You, you really do, like you mentioned, you, you've got to tip the cap to Georgia and give them credit. I mean, they have been – you know, I, I think everybody knew how talented they were, right? I mean, they're preseason top three team, top two team, whatever. But when you lose the generational players that they lost on the defensive side and just had to reload at all those different positions, you thought, you know, it, it's how can they not take a step back? And we still got a long way to go, and the competition for them will obviously stiffen up. You know, I, I you know, again, taking all biases out, and Gamecock fans may not, may not like to hear it, but they haven't really been tested at this point by anybody that's even remotely near their level. Um, so maybe, you know, that there will be some chinks in the armor that are shown, but again, you look at them, like you mentioned, man, top to bottom, you know, offensively Stetson Bennett is playing, I, I think better than any quarterback in the country right now. And you can say he's a system quarterback, but damn it, he operates their system. I think probably better than anybody could Brock Bowers is probably the best tight end I've ever seen. Um, and then defensively, like you mentioned, they just reloaded, uh, talk about, I guess, from the PFF side of things, top grades, I I'd have to imagine Brock Bowers grade this week is just like off the charts. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was one of the best performances that we've really seen from a tight end over the last few years. I mean, he was our offensive player of the week here at PFF um, nationwide. You know, he's always, you know, we had him as number one, the number one tight end in college football entering the season. I mean, last year, he was arguably the best tight end in college football. And he was a true freshman. 
right? I mean, just, you know, what he, he is just kind of that full package of the modern day tight end with what they could do with him. Um, and, you know, Todd Monken scheming him very, very well, right? I mean, I think it's a combination of both, you know, just kind of utilizing his skill set. Um, I mean, just the, the play when he was running down the street, the, the seam, open field, makes a couple guys miss. It's a 78-yard touchdown. I mean, that very few tight ends, if any, can do that other than Brock Bowers at the collegiate level. Um, I mean, he does have – pretty much checks every single box there. He's not very much an inline blocker, but – you know, with what he can do from a receiving perspective, he can create some real mismatches there. So, I mean, he, he genuinely is one of the best players, regardless of position, in college football. Um, you know, I mentioned Todd Monken just a minute ago. I mean, I do think that he's probably one of the more underappreciated play callers in the country, um, just kind of setting his guys up for success. And Stetson Bennett, like you said, it, he is a little limited, sure, but he's operating the system the way it was designed. He's not making mistakes. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. And he's getting the ball to his playmakers, right? That's the way the offense is, is designed. He is carrying it out like that, right? I still think, again, if for some reason, like, Georgia does face a thing, it, it face a game where maybe things aren't going their way, Stetson Bennett's going to have to do something, then I think it'll get interesting. Um, it could present some issues. But at this point, it's hard to pick a team that's going to really do that until the SEC championship game um, for the dogs there. So, I mean, it's just – it's the perfect marriage, perfect blend for everybody offensively, defensively. I mean, like I said, you just have these young players really stepping up. Um, Dumas Johnson, an off-ball linebacker, he was a breakout candidate for us entering the year. I mean, he's been carrying that out, you know, with flying colors, right? I mean, he's really been one of the better um, off-ball linebackers in the SEC. Malachi Starks, uh, the defensive back, true freshman. I mean, he's been – I mean, I would. he's not no, – nobody's perfect, but, I mean, he's been pretty dang good all things considered, considering the, the experience and age and the position he's playing. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's everything there. I mean, they have the pieces that they needed to replace some of the talent that did leave there. So, you know, I, I think, again, from a Georgia perspective, it kind of solidified them this game, in my opinion, as they are for real. They still are um, one of the best, if not the best team in college football. And, you know, I think it's a good point that you did mention you know, with South Carolina and not really facing somebody like on their same tier because they, they really haven't, right? It's just two out of the first three games were just really big, really bad mismatches there for them there. So, um, you know, it was a tough one. And, you know, from a PFF grading perspective, kind of going back full circles, Brock Bowers, I mean, he was kind of the star of the show for, for both teams there, um, one of the higher graded players of the week. And then I mentioned Dumas Johnson. He was definitely up there as well defensively. Um, just a, an all-around performance, really. There was really nobody, I think, from my perspective on Georgia, where I was like, this is a – they didn't play, you know, up to snuff, right? They struggled. Yeah. Now, Anthony, everybody wants to talk offense, so let's start on the defensive side for South Carolina. Uh, a guy I want to highlight, because we've spent so much of the time, you know, your appearances, and really just with everybody, of course, talking Spencer Rattler, the offensive line, Jaheim Bell, those issues, Marcus Satterfield. I want to highlight Nick Emanwari. Um, I think he's actually leading the country right now in solo tackles, had 14 solo tackles against Georgia, which I thought was crazy. Um, and as a true freshman, I mean, he has stood on that defense. Just talk about his game, how he grades. Again, it was a, you know, an abysmal performance for the Gamecocks defense, and, and, and Georgia did to South Carolina's defense what they're probably going to do to a lot of people. And like you mentioned, we knew it was a mismatch. But I, I do want to just take a moment to highlight Nick Emanwari and his fantastic play because he really has been – a bright spot on a, on Clayton White's squad at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, he is one of their higher graded players. And, you know, for a team, it's funny because, like, you could point out probably three or four players where it's like this guy's the one to look out, that he's going to surprise some people. He could break out. And, you know, Nick Imamori was not one of them at all whatsoever, <laughs> right? And here he is. Um, I think he is the highest graded player on their defense, you know, if you kind of take into the snaps there. But just, you know, I never like to look at tackle numbers purely just to, you know, judge performance at the position sometimes they can be misleading but in this case i mean it's exactly who he is i mean the dude's flying to the ball he has a nose for the football and the thing is is like most of these guys that you know are in his situation you typically see some pretty ugly misses some bad angles right you know the form needs some work you know they're not polished off but i mean it's been borderline perfect with just a handful of misses there so far this season um that's definitely, I would say, one positive to take away from what we've seen so far from South Carolina. Um, definitely the bright spot if you want to take into the entire team so far this season. For sure. Now, moving to Anthony, of course, the offensive side. I mean, we got to discuss it, man. Again, Spencer Rattler, just yet another underwhelming day for that entire offensive performance. But I, I want to ask you this because I just had Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast on, and he points to continuous offensive line issues and, and pass protection issues and that being a problem. I talked to Steven Garcia, who played quarterback at South Carolina. He points more toward it's more so on Spencer Rattler or it more so should be on Spencer Rattler. I tend to think it's a mix of both. When you look at the Gamecocks offense, do you feel like – I mean, Spencer Rattler is obviously not playing his best. Is he getting the the most amount of help he could be getting? Is he getting the best possible protection? No, but it's a broken offense right now. Bottom line, there's just no other way to put it. Like, no matter who you want to blame, it's a broken offense. When you look at this Gamecocks offense, what do you see? Exactly that. You took the words out of my mouth, broken. I mean, it's – I think it's a combination of everything. I I really don't think there's one singular aspect where you point to and say, this is the reason why everything's falling apart. Hmm. I think it's – you could – I think everybody's kind of just shoulder the blame, and I think, too, the play calling is is part of that. Um, You know, with the offensive line in particular, I mean – it's hard to survive at the SEC level or really anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're playing in the Conference USA. If you're under pressure over 40% of your dropbacks, like Spencer Rattler is, you're going to have some problems, right? And I think what's been interesting, and, you know, I, we, I think we hit on this last week, and I've seen it earlier this week too. Um, I think you, you might have tweeted it out about, you know, just kind of, you know, the coaching staff trying to get Spencer to focus on staying in the pocket, you know, climbing, keeping his eyes downfield. Um, I think it's kind of presenting some issues for him because his game before was, all right, you know, Chris Reed's not there. I'm going outside the pocket. We're going to play schoolyard football. Um, Or I'm under pressure. And and sometimes it would often lead, and I think this is why they're trying to correct it, is that sometimes it'd be too quick, right? He would just abandon clean pockets when he didn't have to make things a little bit more difficult. But that's the way he played the game. Now you can kind of see him sometimes where he's very hesitant Right. He doesn't want to kind of move around. He wants to stay in the pocket when he's under pressure. And that's when we've seen some of those really, really bad throws from him. So I think it's kind of just a little bit of Spencer Rattler adjusting to a new style and trying to play another game that's not necessarily his. Um, But again, the offensive line overall has been performing poorly, both from a pass protection and run blocking perspective. I mean, again, like I said, over 40 percent of Rattler's dropbacks under pressure. It's hard to live that way. The run, the run game. Uh, I think there it's like under a half a yard before contact per attempt, lowest in the SEC by almost half a yard. Um, that's on both, I think, the offensive line and the running backs. Um, I mean, you could point to multiple plays early on in that Georgia game where it's just it, – it, 
and really at the both collegiate and the NFL levels, it takes one guy in the run game, right? One guy to mess up the play's dead. And you could see that against Georgia. There were a handful of plays early on where it was just – it was one guy and it blew everything up. And if that guy made his block, he did his job. He's, he's shooting the gap and it's going to be a pretty long run there. So, I mean, I, I think it's – it's a combination of everything and the play calling too. I think, you know, we, I talked about it last week. I want to see a little bit more creativity because when you have guys with lesser talent, you need to be a little bit more creative, right? Especially against an elite team like Georgia. We, we saw kind of a little bit of that, but not really, not enough in my opinion. And the stat that really points, that really kind of, I think, sums everything up is if you look at their scripted plays. So like those are the f- first 15 plays generally – you know, play callers, they know what they're going to go. You know, they know the order. They know that's how they're going to start the game out. South Carolina, it's been really, really bad. I mean, they're the most inefficient offense in the SEC by a country mile on those scripted plays. I mean, their success rate, I think, is around 36%. Um, the next lowest is like 40%. I mean, it's it's quite bad in that regard. So, I mean, I think it's – and, of course, at the receiver room, it's not 100%, right? Um, that plays into it. So I think it's just a combination of everything. And still, even to, I think Spencer's just kind of, maybe there's just a lack of trust in some guys. Maybe they don't have that established relationship with, with all of the receivers. Um, so I think it's just everything, right? I don't, I don't think there's one piece that's really performing above, you know, saying, well, they're doing their job. Everybody else isn't. I think there, you can kind of shoulder the blame on everybody. Um, but, you know, you also have to take into account that, I think the first game, it was rough. The, the last two games, it's, they were very difficult tests, right, for a new group, all these new talents. I mean, think about it, right? You have a new quarterback, um, new receivers, new tight end, new backfield. I mean, you have new pieces everywhere, right? And I think this is what we're seeing in college football in some cases where, you know, it's hard to get all these guys on the same page in the same scheme. It's a new system. We've seen some of the guys actually talk about that. And, you know, when you play a team like Arkansas and Georgia – two out of the first three weeks, it's going to be really tough. Now, if they had a start where it's like, like Michigan, for example, they had, you know, Hawaii, Colorado State, um, and UConn. If South Carolina had that start, we'd probably be talking about a completely different South Carolina team where it's like, okay, maybe they get some confidence in them. But I think it was just, a, you know, kind of a, a bad timing with the schedule with this new group. You know, it's hard to kind of adjust to that and kind of get up to speed there. So that's where I look at this weekend and it's like, okay, I mean, they have an opportunity ahead of them, right? This is your time to kind of piece everything together, get some confidence in the group and show that you have the pieces to be a potent offense that I was expecting and everybody else was expecting there. So I think it's a very interesting time for South Carolina. I think it's a unique one. That's where I'm not you know, completely pressing the panic button yet. Again, it's still a new system, but I think this is the game that's going to, you know, it's, it's hard saying like, okay, the Charlotte game is going to you know, make or break the season. But I think to a certain extent, I think it kind of defined a lot of it, right? Just from a on the field and off the field perspective, because let's say it's a little bit closer. Maybe they only win by a couple of touchdowns and some flukiness goes their way. Maybe it's kind of like Georgia state and the offense is a little sluggish. Sometimes it, they're not going to feel too confident. I think heading into sec play, Right. Um, and they're still going to have everybody down their throats like they are right now. Um, so I, I think it's uh, like I said, a very interesting time there and, you know, kind of going back up to the top, it's not just one person. I think it's kind of a collective group there. But, I mean, again, we've talked ad nauseum about the talent that you have. They have the capability of turning it around. It's just, you know, can they do it? We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing, Anthony, is South Carolina is where everybody picked them to be at this point, one and two. 
Uh, and you mentioned the competition. I think it's just how it has happened is really what's tough to stomach and the uncompetitiveness and the offense looking so abysmal. I agree with you. This is a huge opportunity this weekend against Charlotte to build some momentum, build some confidence, because really what it's about, Anthony, the next two weeks using both those games, Charlotte and SC State, and then gearing yourself up for that pivotal matchup on the road in Lexington against Kentucky, which I think will really set the tone for the rest of the season, the second half of your season, if you're going to even remotely overachieve or, you know, even make a bowl game, I think, this season. That's one that is going to be pivotal to your year for sure. Um, you know, before we get off of Georgia and move into that Charlotte game more so, Anthony, you know, you mentioned the scripted plays, and that takes me to play calling, and that takes me to scheme. And Marcus Satterfield's a guy right now, you know, when your offense isn't working, the OC is going to catch a lot of heat. But especially when last year you finish outside the top 100 in offense and you, I, I think what's tough, Anthony, for fans to to comprehend, and I don't blame them, right, is you were what you were in offense last year, but you won six games in the regular season, seven with the bowl win, with four different quarterbacks starting a game and all the moving pieces in year one, and then you add all these guys, and fans don't want to hear, well, give credit to this team, give credit to that team. It's this tough test. It's this blah, 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 blah. They just don't want to hear it, right? So – you know, you add Spencer Rattler, all these pieces, and and a lot of the fan base, honestly, Anthony, has checked out on Marcus Satterfield, a lot of the fan base. And, and I'm holding – I'm reserving judgment. Really, for me, it's that Kentucky game. That That's where it's sort of all going to kind of come to a head. It's like, if you don't have it figured out by then – oh, and we lost Anthony there. Let's get him back in. Let's get him back in. You're all right. right. Good deal. No, you're good. You're good. I, I was just saying that, you know, the Kentucky game is where it all comes to a head for me with the Gamecocks offense and Marcus Satterfield and sort of my feelings – um, if he's even remotely going to be the answer for the long term. When you look at this football team, you look at this offense, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, we knew going into Georgia, right? You're not going to find your identity and establish who you are. Like, that's the wrong team to do that against. Um, but I think it's safe to say, like, if things do not improve, the chatter around Marcus Satterfield and his job status, it is only going to get louder and louder and louder and louder and whether that's fair or unfair, you just can't be as porous as they've been offensively after adding all the pieces they've had and, and remain employed. It's just, it's just not possible. Yeah, it, and that's where the tough part comes. And I, I think last year that's where I guess my confidence kind of came into the year. It's like, okay, I think this could be a good marriage. This could be a good group. Because I thought there were, I would say, encouraging signs just given that the talent that they did have on offense, which wasn't a lot. Um that, you know, maybe the play calling could be pretty good this year. I'm going to put Spencer in a good situation. But, you know, like we've been saying, we just really haven't seen that. So, I mean, it definitely is a pivotal stretch here. I mean, like you said, the next couple of games are against lesser competition. But this is about kind of building a base there um, into that pivotal game in Lexington. I mean, which is going to be – I think Kentucky's kind of had some issues as well, even though that they're a highly ranked program. I don't – there's some certain aspects that are kind of, I would say, suspect to me um within that team so I think it, it could present a pretty good you know game for South Carolina but you know overall the, the play calling you know I, that scripted number that I mentioned I mean that's heavily influenced by the play calling and I think you know it's not always just the play caller right um it's the whole group but you know again you just look at the players that they have it's I, I don't know, kind of inexcusable to be at that kind of level. And I think they would admit that too. I mean, they're expecting to be near the top and they're at the very bottom. So, I mean, they have a pretty big hill to climb, um, but the opportunity is there over the next couple of weeks to get back. 
I was just thinking about the third down calls from the game against Georgia Saturday. I mean, it's because it's so tough to to look at that and say, well, if you don't score 30 against Georgia, like you're not making progress. But I, again, I think it just more so goes back to, you know, and the announcers pointed this out. And Anthony, I'm sure, you know, you probably went back and watched the game, I'm sure. And, and I'm, I would imagine you were scratching your head as well, where it's like first big pivotal third down of the game. I think the first third down of the game. And you take Spencer Rattler out and you put the carry-on joiner in at quarterback, a player who hadn't taken a snap all year. And it's just like that just – you're it's just hard to comprehend. Like, why did you even go get Rattler if that's what you were going to do, you know? And right. Just, that's where I'm like – You're overthinking it. Like, you're just overthinking it, I feel like, at that point. Yeah, it's either overthinking or there's a lack of trust there. But it's – again, like, I, I we've just seen too much from him to know that he – he can play. It's just he's in a slump right now. And I think there's probably more to the story. More, There's a lot that we won't, we don't know. We will never know about how this is kind of unfolding and how it's being built. Um, but, yeah, that was one where it was like, I understand, you know, when I say be creative, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, right. You get seven on the field 24-7, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking be creative, that's just, it's, it's bold. It's probably something you should do maybe this Saturday. I wouldn't fault him to it, but against, you know, Georgia, the number one team in the country, that's, a, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of something where you scratch your head and just kind of wonder that if you're over, is it, you're, are you overthinking it or is there a lack of trust? I don't know. Yeah. Anthony, anyways, moving off of that game, because I, you know, it's funny. We had against Steven Garcia every Monday on the show. He, he referenced back to 2008 when his Gamecock team got beat 56 to six in the swamp by Tim Tebow and the Florida Gators. And, you know, he talked about coach Spurrier telling him, we didn't even watch that film. It just flush it, move on. There's nothing you can really take away. I feel like this Gamecocks football team sort of has to do the same thing. I mean, you got to as quickly as possible, just forget the Georgia game ever happened, flush it, move on to Charlotte. Cause like you mentioned, there's a great opportunity against a Charlotte 49ers team that ranks dead last nationally in defense. Yards per game, points per game, I think they're either last or like 129th, something like that. Like you mentioned earlier, this should be a great opportunity for this Gamecocks offense to really get rolling in a big way. And like you mentioned, you know, I released my best bet today. I, I'm taking South Carolina to cover the 22-point spread. I understand people are down on Carolina, and I, I'm not saying they're going to – you know, use this game to go win nine games somehow this year. But it's a it, the way it was a mismatch between Georgia and South Carolina, it might be even more of a mismatch between the Gamecocks and the 49ers. Just talk about what you've seen from Charlotte, what the numbers say. And again, I think you and I would both agree this this is a game that South Carolina should really be able to get some things rolling and flex their muscles early and often. Yeah, and with Charlotte, I mean, they've always been, you know, I would say a sneaky team. And this year, they've had to undergo some quarterback changes with Chris Reynolds being hurt. He's back now. But, I mean, when he was off the field, man, you pair that defense with that offense with no Chris Reynolds. I mean, and they're, they're, they probably are the worst team in college football. But he's back. I mean, he had a great game last week against Georgia State. Um, clean, clean play all around. I mean, he was just – he is one of the most experienced quarterbacks at the group of five level. And he's just, I would say, the definition of consistent, right? He's never going to, I would say, flat out lose you the game. Um, but, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to go above and beyond like you did against Georgia State in his return last week. But like you said, those defense numbers, I mean, I think they're the lowest graded coverage unit by eight grading points in the country. Um, so I think you look at that as a whole and then you look at South Carolina and it's like, okay – you need to show something against this poor coverage unit, right? I mean, this is one of the worst in college football. This is your time 
to kind of take advantage of that. I think Georgia State, too. I mean, that was a good coverage. You know, we broke down that game. That, that was their strength along with the run game. But they had some good defensive backs there. Um, and, of course, the last two weeks, we knew what they were going to throw there with Arkansas and Georgia, very talented teams. But this is completely different. This is the opposite end of the spectrum. This is where the passing offense really does need to kind of take over and shine there. So, you know, again, I, I'm, I don't think this is like the be-all in all the season, right? This is going to decide everything. But, I mean, you're going to have – I think you need to really kind of have yourself a day here offensively, right? I mean, I think you need to do whatever you can – you know, I get the sports, sportsmanship aspect of it, but if it becomes a blowout, you probably just need to keep the guys out there and just keep scoring, right? Just get them the reps, get them together, put some points on the board, instill some confidence in there, right? Because, you know, again, this is just a this is a bad coverage team, a really bad defense overall. You have talent there offensively that hasn't been able to gel and kind of come together and mesh. This is your time to kind of get that. And, you know, you look at some of the numbers from Rattler and, He's got more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws, one of the lower big-time throw rates in college football. You still go back to what he's done in his career. It's He's got some of the highest big-time throw numbers in the country, one of the lowest negatively graded throw rates. The guy's there. It's just kind of getting more reps and opportunities. And I mentioned, you know, a while back about, you know, if they had the start that Michigan had with, you know, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, don't mean for those schools to catch any strays here, but if they had that kind of start, I think we'd probably be talking differently about this team. And I think the their confidence and the way they kind of play together would be different. It's just kind of a been bad matches for them. So, and that's no excuse, right? That, that's never an excuse, but I, th- these next couple of games are the games where they can get back on their feet and know how to really play together offensively. So the opportunity is definitely there. And I think for the defense too, again, Charlotte's not full of talent, you know, and Chris Reynolds is kind of the, he is the offense um, to a certain extent. And so I think it could be, a, I guess, not so much a, a test for him, but just kind of a, a time for them to show, okay, this is an experienced, good college quarterback. Let's make him look bad as much as we possibly can, right? I mean, that that's kind of their chance there. So he's, they're not facing a scrub there. Um, so I think it's going to be a good thing for both sides of the ball for a game to kind of rebound and get back on their feet. Yeah, I would agree with you, Anthony. It's, it's crazy. You know, you mentioned the offense, and uh, I, I looked at these games over the summer, and said, you know, th- these will be great opportunities to the second half, let guys like Luke Doty and, and, and Tanner Bailey, Braden Davis, maybe even to carry on Joyner, get under center and play. But I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think at this point, <clears throat> due to the fact that you've had such limited success offensively the first couple of weeks, I think you need to leave your starters in there a little bit longer than maybe you would have normally planned. Because, I mean, again, like you mentioned, man, like these are valuable in-game reps. And – you know, this game is so mental, and it comes back to confidence. And this is a team that I don't think I see playing with a whole lot of confidence right now. So you need to get your ones, as many positive reps as you possibly can. I'm not saying, you know, leave leave Spencer Rattler out there until the final snap if you're up by 50 points, right, because you don't want to risk injury. But, you know, I don't think this is a game where you say, well, if we can get seven out by halftime. No, I think he needs to play. Like, he, he needs to get these reps in there, not just this week, but next week as well. And I agree with you, too, and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, I've noticed that we're just talking offense. But this defense, man, you've given up over 200 yards rushing in your first three games. It's got to be one of the worst defenses in college football. This is a great opportunity, too, to to get yourself off the shot. I mean, this team as a whole has been bad. It hadn't just been offense. It's been bad from all sides. And I think what's interesting about this, too, is that this Charlotte team just beat Georgia State over the weekend by a point, a team that the Gamecocks – struggled with in week one so 
I guess you can take nothing for granted, but I'd agree with you that it's a big opportunity and one you need to seize and start to build some positive momentum and some positive feelings in Columbia. Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Hey, man, appreciate you taking the time. It's always a pleasure. We'll definitely do it again next week. Yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy it. And we'll probably have some positive conversations next time around. Anthony, let's hope so, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. Great stuff from our friend Anthony Treesh over at Pro Football Focus. Really, really good stuff from him. Um, you know, again, normally the conversations are a little bit longer, if you will. Normally they're a little bit longer, but after you lose by 41 points, what is there really to say? Guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into a break. I know it's a little bit earlier. Um, I've actually got to use the restroom, if you want to know. But we're going to jump into a break on the other side. Let's get your questions, your comments, and your calls rolling here on this Wednesday. 843-790-3377. More of your questions, comments, calls, more on the other side. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. Marcus Satterfield speaking to the media right now. I figured you guys would not want to tune into that. But Marcus Satterfield just said, quote, I honestly, truly believe we're getting really close. Nobody wants to hear it, but it takes time. It takes hard work. That comes directly from Marcus Satterfield in today's press conference. Do with that that quote what you will. Young Savage. Young Savage, what's up, man? How are you? Very much, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Well, the stuff that was on my mind that I know the weekend was a complete disaster for us. And um, I have to maintain the car and be positive. So I know that Georgia is just taking over our stadium, but at the, at the moment that I see on the TV that I can't even take it anymore because even though can you can't I, even though I did not want to say nothing because I just had a effect of moment to maintain silence and I know that my champion was in the building in the stadium also because I, I see him on camera I see him on TV and I'm I'm thinking about it, what is he doing here and I cannot even cross my mind because I don't have the time of just of this, of this bullshit, and I can't not even say what I say because it's just bothering so much. And we all, the Gamecock fans, all affecting on us. That's why it's just you all know. So I got to speak the truth on my mind. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, hey, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. And uh, Georgia was abysmal. It, it was brutal, man. There's no way to, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat it. So. Yeah, yeah, it was bitchy to us. Yeah, I cannot believe that. Mm-hmm. They was going on the on the um, blog and talking about each thing do it so much, and I cannot even take it in words that the press conference and I heard that being with, that being was say hell no, and I think about it. that was a great idea, that was a good move, and um, constantly I had this moment that I need to put my head because I I think we don't I think we don't want to beat them at to the end of the season. I can't we cannot do it because. It, they they too strong for us, and I cannot you take the risk of that moment. Yeah. Yeah, Young Savage, very well said, my friend. Very well said. Um, yeah. Yeah, and also, because we could have must have, man, because 
he, he needs to see his old ass down because I, yeah, I cannot eat with that thing anymore because he needs to be living in, living in his mother's basement, like, ASAP because he needs to sit down and mind your business because he cannot be with us all the time. He cannot be with us anymore at our, in our, on our team. But because this dude is wet, this old man is wet because he just does not got no, got no behavior of himself because he cannot even he cannot even learn to eat he cannot even learn to eat pussy. If I just maintain calm and someone has someone has to beat Georgia for real for real. Someone has to beat them harder and harder. I don't care. I don't kill. Pick or choose. But I don't give a damn. Just pick and choose. Just beat them down. Beat Georgia down. Beat those Bulldogs down. I, I cannot take any more. And, and also. I saw I saw a couple of incidents last night, and I, it reminded me that I had a feeling because I heard that this get out a new football season next year. So, because um, we being probably being out, why being in Georgia again? Because it's just bothering me so much. It's bothering me so damn much, and um, I had a feeling because I just I, I can't I can't really take this shit. And um, but most of the times that I feel like, man. Why are we gonna be? Why are we gonna be tortured again? Cause it's getting my damn nose all wet. It's gonna make my head spin. Make my head spin so damn much, and I feel like I'm just gonna fall and vomit myself. I'm gonna vomit because I don't know why. I don't know why. Young Savage, I appreciate the call. Take a breath. Don't throw up. Don't don't freak out. It's okay. Anyways, 8437903377. So when we got some action, the TDC questions channel, the Big Cock Club Discord. Luke RJ says he approves of today's hat. Luke RJ is throwing shade in my hat last week. I don't know why. The Beamer Ball hat that I wore on Saturday, which I actually think is fire, Luke RJ. So we can agree to disagree. Either way. Um, anyways, lots of questions, lots of comments coming in. Again, I appreciate Young Savage for his call, for his insight. Um, let's see. Coach Ford, obviously giving his insight. Guys, you want to call in? Would love to hear it. Jeff Gullidge, am I wrong for thinking if we don't have 35-plus points by halftime Saturday, we have to part ways with Sat? I mean, we, we need to score and score a lot, Jeff. I, I will say this, just because I'm someone that obviously I, I like to go. You all know at this point, right? I like to go against the grain, right? Not always go with it. I would say this, like, the offense stinks right now. The offense is broken. Why are we not talking more about the defense, though? Because the defense is no better. Over 200 yards rushing allowed the first three games. This is a big weekend for the defense, too, man. I I mean, the defense has been abysmal. I mean, it has been pathetic. There's no other way to put it. So, I know it's a team game and many folks out there We'll say, well, it's because the offense hasn't done well. That excuse just gets old to me, man. It, it does. So I, I need to see more from the defense too, man. I, I, I need to see more from the defense too. Let's jump to the whole lines here. Call from Robbie Davis, Zaxby's Hall of Famer. Two. Robbie, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm good. I'm doing. As good as expected on this hump day. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's up? 
as you were saying right before I just called it, right? The the defense ain't doing as as that well either. Okay. The only the only I guess you could say bright spot. Okay, on this football team right now. What's that? Is our special teams. Yeah, we've had some nice fakes, and Kai Kroger's a good punter. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's literally the only bright spot, okay? Mm-hmm. Everyone as a whole, players all the way up to Beamer, for crying out loud, everybody has got to do better these next two weeks. Okay, and there ain't no denying. Okay, right? Like, like, like you said in in the in the uh, the uh, comment just a second ago, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious that Satterfield's on the hot seat. Okay, everybody knows that Satterfield's on the hot seat. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, but these next two weeks. We got to absolutely – I don't care if it's against Charlotte or SC State the next two weeks, right, because we are playing those two teams. Play with a fire in your gut, okay? Because right now we haven't really seen it. Yes, we got our brains beat in as expected by Georgia, right? But that's it. Georgia's over with. Focus on Charlotte. Take care of Charlotte. And then after we kick Charlotte's ass, mm-hmm. take care of State. 24-hour rule. Celebrate for 24 hours, and after the 24 hours, focus on focus on state and then kick their ass. And then whenever we go into Kentucky, focus on Kentucky, get ready for Kentucky, and give Stoops a well-overdue ass-whooping. Yeah, that would be ideal. It would be ideal to win three in a row. It would. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to use these next two to bounce back for sure. Um, it's just crazy. You know, I picked this to be one and two. I just did not think I'd be feeling this way uh, after one and two. And I just think, again, it goes back to, I mean, you were you were down 48 right. to zero. <laughs> I mean, Georgia could have scored 70. That, that, that was a – dude, I literally yeah. – I literally said it. I got to stop being so kind. And sugarcoating things for people. I I don't feel like I do that a lot, but I even do it too much. I still feel in my mind because after I heard the the five starters on defense were out, when I was hearing late last week the injuries on defense, I forgot who I told. It might have right. been it might have been John. It might have been somebody else. I really felt like that was a name your score game for Georgia. They could have beaten us by whatever margin. Oh they yeah, they very easily could have scored seventy, maybe even. They could, have, they could have. I mean, I, I dropped 41 to 10, and, you know, I see the comments of, oh, come on, man. You got to believe, man. I, I see the people on Facebook, oh, come on. I'll never pick my game cops to lose. Well, you can be an ignorant son of a bitch then and watch us get our ass beat. I mean, I don't really <laughs> care, but that's, you know, I don't give a damn that that's what you right. do on a weekly basis. So, you know, right. it just, um, yeah, but it, but it, but it's the way it happened, man. It's so disappointing, and and, you know, 
it's just the way it's happened to this point, especially offensively. You know, if we were scoring 40 a game and we were one and two, it'd be a lot different, right? So, um, and, and I think too, right. I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of what makes where this sourness is coming from is the Georgia State game still. And, and what I mean by that is this. Had this season, at least to me, had this season gone exactly as it's gone to this point, except in week one, we played well offensively. We scored 35 offensive points. We didn't have to rely on two block punts, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- then, I, then I could say, well, you know, we, we just – we played two top ten teams and we got beat up and Georgia's just elite. And those things are still true, but it's like we haven't – looked good at all like we didn't even look good against georgia state obviously we all know that yeah so, i noticed that too. i mean we the best look we've looked good. the best we've looked was in fayetteville against a depleted arkansas secondary that missouri state was able to take advantage of and i mean that that even was a game that we were never realistically in that ball game we we were we were never realistically right. threatening to win that ball game you know so we just mm-hmm. haven't had a whole lot to feel good about to this point. I mean, that's what's so frustrating. Like there haven't there haven't been, especially offensively, a whole lot of bright spots, you know? So hopefully this weekend, I mean, you no. have to. You have to. I think you gotta score, you know, at minimum 45 points. If you can get in the 50s, as Anthony Treese was saying, you can get to the 60s. Dude, you need to score. The goal should be to score 100. I mean, literally. So um right. If I was coaching, I'd be like, "Look, I don't give a darn. Their point, their whole, their whole job is to stop me. We're going to score every time we have the damn ball. I don't care. Mm-hmm. They can cut off the scoreboard for all I care. We're going to score. I don't care. That's how I would be. That's the mindset I would have going in, especially with the way the season has started. I'd be like, "This is this is what we're going to do. We're going to score and score often, and not give a damn about the consequences. We're going to score until the point." to where they literally come to me and say, I want to run and clock because y'all are beating our ass. That is what needs to happen. Indeed. That is what needs to happen, Robbie. We need to score. We need to score a lot. That is a fact. Just take care of business, build some confidence, and go go into Kentucky and take care of Kentucky and give Stoopsy an ass-whooping. I agree. I agree. I mean, Robbie, it's – I mean, you said it all, my guy. You said it all. And, yes, I will definitely be watching the game this this weekend. I'm actually shocked that we're playing at 7:30. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. It it, it just it, it just feels weird. I mean, it's I'm happy but, about and it. I, I, know, I, I'm happy about it. But, yeah. <laughs> it just feels weird. And I actually called it. I told my aunt that the state game can wind up being at noon, mm-hmm. and then lo and behold, kickoff is at noon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will uh, definitely uh, watch. The the next I'll I'll be at of course the state game. I'll definitely be watching the Charlotte game from 
till it's over. I don't care if we're up by 50 or 60. I'm watching it till it's over. Or until they decide to switch over to a different game. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to watch it. I don't care. Watch watch that damn thing. <laughs> you you watch it, Robbie. You watch it. But uh, you have a great rest of your day, and I hope everyone else has a fantastic week and uh, and a great weekend. To hell with Clemson. And what the hate. To hell with Charlotte and SC State. To hell with them. Only thing ever good come out of Orangeburg was Robbie Davis and Yonka Boudreaux. <laughs> well, technically, I'm from Columbia. Uh, well, then to hell with Orangeburg, then. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Orangeburg folks. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, y'all, everybody, yeah, y'all have a great rest of y'all's week. And uh, as always, leave the dumb stuff to me and go Cox. Appreciate you, Robbie. Go Cox, indeed, my friend. Well said. That was Robbie Davis. Robbie Davis. Travis Lee says, Chris, over under 55,000 fans in the stands. I'm going a big fat under, my guy. I think the I think the attendance is going to be pretty abysmal. Not going to lie to you. I, I, I think uh, lower bowl will be full. I think the upper deck is going to be pretty sparse. I do. I, I think you're looking at like 45,000. 50,000, best case. You remember how Troy was last year? That's how I view the uh, the Charlotte game. So, uh, Let's see. Austin says, Chris, this team is much worse than last year. I also saw where Austin said five and seven is my prediction for the rest of the year. I, I will tell you this. I, I, I'm not going to give an updated season prediction because – you know, you say that today, we go out there and beat Charlotte and SC State like a drum, and we somehow beat Kentucky, and it's like, well, I'm back on my seven and five. I, I'm not going to give an updated prediction, right, whatever. I mean, I think they're all fair. I, I will tell you this, though, and maybe this is blasphemous coming from someone sitting in, sitting in my seat and doing what I do for a living, because I'm always going to hype up the season and, and get excited, right, because – you know, the hype and excitement, it helps my business, right? It does. It, it helps my business, obviously. Being excited for it, thank God, the only reason I'm able to do what I do is because this fan base is so passionate about the Gamecocks, right? For sure. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if next season or any upcoming, I will allow myself to get as, if, if this season, let me just put it this way, if this season continues on this trend, like, we, we, we let ourselves get so hyped, so high up. You know what I mean? We allowed ourselves to get just so over the top, hyped up and excited. And it's, and it's just after three weeks, you know, doesn't it feel like we're just, we've been slapped in the face? I mean, really, truly. I just, I don't know, man. I, 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 that's why I talk about, I talk about setting proper expectations all the time. Like, as a fan with someone who has no control, right? And, and I'm not saying don't have hope. I'm not saying don't have optimism. But I think as a Gamecock fan, Gamecock football, outside of a three- to four-year pocket and some other really small, brief pockets, it is what it is. And it's been what it has been for over 100 years, which is a 6-6 six and six program. It's a 500 program. And so I think that as a fan, with someone who has no control, I'm not telling you how to think. I guess I'm just voicing how, how maybe I think. 
Like, and it's easy to say this right now, the week after losing by 41 points. Much tougher to say when you're when you're in the summer and you know you're in the month of August and your mind's running wild with with dreams and hopes and expectations of potentially you know go, going all the way. But again, as a fan, as a fan, someone who has no control over it, I think just you know what this Gamecocks football program. You're six and six till you prove to me otherwise. Until you prove you're worthy of this hype that we give you, why would I set my expectations through the moon to get let down every season? And again, maybe that's blasphemous for me to say because, you know, I I thrive off the hype. You know, I I, I it, it helps numbers, it helps views. I mean, I heck, you know, I, again, I've got a unique vantage point, seeing it from where I see it. You know, seeing views, seeing impressions, seeing statistics on social media. Because obviously the numbers are higher when things are going well. The numbers are higher when people have hope and optimism and excitement and all that good stuff. But man, it's it's just, you know, it, it, that's an if too. If this season, hey, if you if you win the next three in a row, you beat Kentucky, things can be corrected very quickly. This is a very much week-to-week game. But it's just, you know, like somebody like James Reynolds, for example. And you're like, who the heck is that? A guy on social media that called, and he he realistically, in his heart of hearts, picked this team to go 10 and 2. Said Gamecock fans had a loser mentality, which it even sounds more absurd talking about it right now. Someone with a, I assume, working functioning brain called me said I had a loser mentality for saying eight and four would be a good year. Can you believe that? As we sit here now, enduring what we are enduring, I just wonder where he's at now. Because James Reynolds called in one time to tell us how silly we were for thinking eight and four would be a good year and how we should be expecting to win 10 or 11 games. He's quiet now. I ain't heard a peep from him since. So, anyways, I, I just, you know, it's it's just frustrating, and it's uh, it's frustrating, you know, the, the the hype and excitement level we got to, and I think for real reason. I think for real reason. And uh, golly, man, just it, it's tough. It's tough. You know what I mean? I, I think if nothing else, you you assured that your fan. I, I, I mean. I'd almost rather pick us to go four and eight and be happily surprised when we go six and six. I, I, I really would. I really would. I, I, I'd almost rather operate in that mindset, you know. I don't want to operate that way. I want to be able to pick us to go 10 and two. I, I want to be the team that overachieved, you know. But, damn, it's like these past couple weeks, guys, I can't pick us to lose by enough. I thought I was being hard-hitting, realistic, 41 to 10 Georgia. That wasn't even enough wasn't even enough, you know? So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think we almost need to accept this Gamecocks football program for what it is. It's a six-and-six six program. And I, I see a guy like like Kelsey Quarles commenting, and, and, and listen, I, I don't mean that as, as shade, Kelsey, to you or anybody else. Or, and, and I'm not saying, listen, the people in the building, the way they operate and think, should be nothing like I think. I see it from a fan perspective, someone with no control. But unfortunately, the farther we get away from 2010, 11, 12, 13, the more of a one-off that feels like. You know what I mean? The more of a one-off 
that feels like. You know, speaking of Kelsey Corson, Kelsey, if you'd like to call in, my guy, I, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I, I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you got any thoughts on the D-line, just, just on the team as a whole, you, you're more than welcome to call in, Kelsey, because I see Kelsey commenting. Um, I, I just, you know, we, we talk about offense, offense. What about the defense? The defense is soft. See, the, the defense is trash right now. Right now. Right now. And the statistics back it up. The stats back it up. And, and I don't understand it. I don't get how the D-line is so bad. I don't. But, anyways, on the positives, hey, the good news is the season's not over yet. The, I mean, the good news is this. You haven't lost a game that you weren't supposed to lose. Right? You haven't lost a game that you weren't supposed to lose. You haven't lost a game you weren't supposed to win, I should probably say. I mean, you're you're one and two, which is which is where everybody expects you to be. Right? I mean, this is where we all thought we'd be. Everybody realistically thought we'd be right here. It's just how you've gotten there. Especially after we preached all summer about it's about how you win and lose. You know, that's what matters. And God almighty, dude, 48 to 7. 48 to 7? Uh, Cody Gaskins in the Big Cock Club Discord. It doesn't matter what we do these next two weeks. If we come out against Kentucky, can't do anything. Won't Call matter. from Kelsey Quarles. Kelsey, what's up, man? I appreciate you calling in. How you doing? What's going on, man? Dude, not much, man. Just hanging out. Just, uh, just having ourselves a week. Looking forward to uh, hopefully beating up on somebody this weekend, dude. I, I, you know, I appreciate you calling in. I see you in the comments. Obviously, everybody values your take and your opinion, and you know, you're somebody again. We've talked before. You've worn that garnet and black, and and done great things to the Gamecocks. So, getting your your take and your insight on things is something very valuable to us all. So, you know, I'll ask you, man. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this: you can start wherever you like, offensively, defensively, the entire football team. Um, you know, again, this team is where um, the prognosticators expected it to be through three weeks, but the way it's happened obviously has, has left a lot to be desired. So I'll, I'll let you take the floor of what you've seen thus far. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to talk about the entire team. Hmm. When I watched that game Saturday, I literally put a hole in my wall from throwing my phone because I've never seen some of the most uninspired on some of some of the most afraid, uh, scared guys that I've ever seen in my life put on a South Carolina helmet. Like we didn't look. We were. You don't see the excitement. You don't see the like these guys act like they never played football before in their life. There's no excitement. There's no intensity. There's no pride about. I'm about to go out here and try to beat Georgia's ass. Like, I just don't see that. And that's, I guess that's the biggest thing that bothers me because it was, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We had hella five talent. I mean, we had NFL across the D-line. We had NFL across the offensive line. But we had a bunch of guys from the state of South Carolina that when we were in high school, we said we were going to go to South Carolina and we were going to go change things. And that's what we did. I, I Somebody sent me a video the other day when I was in high school and I went to Marcus Lattimore's uh, commitment. 
and I said that we will never lose the commitment. We will never, never lose the Clemson as long as I'm at South Carolina, as long as we're at South Carolina. And we did that because we took pride in it. Like, it, when I watch it, it hurts me because I love my school to death. But it, I just – like the D-line ticking. Where is he at? What is he doing? Just getting blocked. Uh, uh, you got all these guys. Then it's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Like, we had – we Connor wasn't even supposed to play the Missouri game. He came in and won the game. I wasn't supposed to play the Missouri game. Connie, it was a mini game that Connie wasn't supposed to play in because he was hurt. But we played. We all played because we cared, and it meant something. We weren't worried about NIL. We weren't worried about uh, the NFL. We weren't worried about any of those things but going out there and busting somebody's ass in front of 84 and 85,000 people and getting a win. So you see a mentality issue. That's what I'm hearing, you, you, just across the board. And it's across the board, man. And I just, and honestly, I just don't think, I believe we hyped Spencer Rattler up so much to think, you know, because I was watching him when he was on the high school thing on Netflix. And, you know, he didn't, he, yeah, he, he can throw, he can throw a dime. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see him as a competitor. Even as one of those guys, yeah, I got blessed with the talent, but I don't even know what to do with it. Like, when I watch him on the field, it seems like the offensive line don't trust him. The receivers don't trust him. Hell, half the time, I don't even think he trusts himself. I mean, it, it just looks bad. It looks bad. It looks like, you know, and I blame us as fans and as players, we put so much hype on the team, and then we get upset because we can't do it. Like, that's the difference, like you said. We and and I, I love saying this, and people say I say it a lot, but I don't give a damn. We won, like we lost. I literally, I told somebody the other day, I lost six games in college, mm-hmm. and I won thirty three, because we had a bunch of fighters on our team. When we played LSU, there was no way we were LSU, but we we almost won. A look, mm-hmm. field goal goes our way, we almost. I don't see that fight. I don't see that guys with the with the with the system. I'm putting this helmet. Somebody in there. We're losing Kelsey there a little bit. I think his service might be Kelsey. You still with us or no? Okay, I'm gonna try to get Kelsey. If you uh, if you're hearing me, call back in. I don't know if he lost some service there at the end, but uh, yeah, that's why you tune in the Daily Crow. You just never know what's gonna happen. Kelsey Coral's calling, and hopefully, we can get him back on the line. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, what stands out to me from those comments, man? I mean, you hear it, and again, a guy like Kelsey Coral speaks. Um, you listen, right? Uninspired, afraid, scared. The guys are intimidated. I, you know, those are his words, not mine. But that's a guy that, again, 33-6 and six over the course of his career at Carolina, a winner, bottom line. Um, hopefully, again, Kelsey, if you're hearing me and you got service, give us a call back. Would love to uh, <clears throat> would love to hear more from you. I definitely have some more questions I'd love to ask you um, and get your perspective and get your take. Um, you know, talking about the hype, too. Talking about the hype. And, and uh, I, I think that's some very real – and, you know, I, I, I would say this, too. 
you hear a guy like Kelsey, it comes from a place of love because we've had him on before. And I mean, the guy loves Carolina football. He bleeds the garnet and black. He just wants the best. You know, he just wants the best for the Gamecocks. He's not coming from a place of he's just calling in to talk BS and, and talk crap. He, he just – he's coming from a place of love. Here we go. Call from Kelsey Quarles. What's up, Kelsey? We got you back on. Sorry about that. I think we uh, I think we lost the service or, or what have you. But anyways, man, continue. I, I know you were going on about, uh, you know, obviously your career at Carolina. And I, I was just saying, by the way, that, that all of your comments, you know, that they come from a place – of love, you know, you bleed the garnet and black. It, it's not you trying to – it's just tough love, and it's tough love that I think is necessary at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's just like when we lost – I don't know well, – I'm sure everybody – when we lost to Auburn my freshman year, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, team, a players-only meeting. It was T-Camp, Terrence Campbell, Garcia, uh, Melvin Ingram, all those guys got up. They kicked the coaches out and said, look, we, we, we're better than this. You know, we're better than this. And, you know, from that point forward, because it, it meant something to us, and from that point forward, things changed, you know. Uh, we started winning. You know, people stepped up. The culture changed. And they – don't get me wrong. We got the guys. But – and I think it's coaching too, and I and I, I don't know what Spencer Rattler thinks. It's just like that, that wheel route that he threw – when you're clearly looking at the you're clearly looking at the running back running down right. the sideline, and Georgia got two people sitting right here in coverage, like yeah, go ahead and throw it, just go ahead and throw it, and they pick it. I'm like, you're supposed to be a more experienced guy. What are you doing? Like, like, are you nervous? Are you afraid? Like, are you are you not understanding the concept of the offense? Like, it it, it don't get me wrong, great talent. I think the guy has great talent, and we have talent across the board still. Mm-hmm. And we got talent coming in. But we have to be able to use it, and we have to be able to – we have to be able to go out and execute, man. We haven't – we have – I don't think we put together a good drive since really – and we struggled with Arkansas, mm-hmm. you know. It, it's, it's, I don't think we put together a good drive or play complete a complete total game yet. Yeah. Offense and defense, special teams either. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Rattler and the struggles, and I, obviously, Kelsey, whenever you're struggling offensively, you know, the offensive coordinator is going to feel the heat. Um, and, and you're a guy, again, playing on the defensive side, you know offensive football, though, right? Because you study it, you, you, you key in on what offenses do. When you look at the Gamecocks offensively, you know, you, you mentioned Rattler. We, we feel like there are pieces there. There's talent there, obviously. Do you watch that, and, and do you feel like you're able to say, hey, I, I understand what the scheme is, what we're trying to be good at, what we want to do? You know, obviously, I feel like when you were in Columbia, you know, the, the motto or the scheme or the identity, I should say, of the Gamecocks offense was we were a team that was going to run the football. Um, we could obviously pass it, but we're going to run the football. We're going to lean on defense. You know, I think fans, that's their biggest gripe, Kelsey, is struggling that there's no identity. You know what I mean? And I know that, like, going against Georgia, right, that's not the best opponent to find your identity against. But I think that's what's frustrating fans the most is that there just simply is no identity. I have no clue on a week-in, week-out basis what this football team even wants to do offensively. No, and I don't I don't know. You got one, the tight end uh, that uh, transferred, he – Yeah, stop Perfect target. Another, yeah. another, nothing hating, another hating hurt. That's all he is. Just a little bit bigger. Uh, you got some of the best receivers in in the league. Uh, you got 
you got a running back room that you got guys that can you got guys who can run between the gaps. You got guys that can get on the edge. Uh, you got guys that you can you know you can throw screens. You can throw stuff like that too to try to get people moving. You got all the pieces. That's why it's it's it's, it's not. I'm not understanding what's going on because it's like you got the pieces. You you, but what what are we doing? I mean, the offensive line is great. The offensive line is not great. But to and and don't get me wrong, we've had some great offensive linemen come through. But there's never been a time when we just had a a awesome offensive line. We just had guys that said, look, we're going to make this work. And also, I've always said this, if we don't have a quarterback that can use his legs to get out, Garcia, I mean, he didn't look like the best athlete, but that fucker was an athlete. Uh, Connor Shaw, Dylan, all those guys, Savelle Newton, you go back before that. Like, these were guys that could move the pocket. These were guys that could get out of trouble. We need that. That's what the game has came to because, you know, we don't the, – the game is changing to where you don't, you don't have those offensive linemen. Well, I'm lying. Georgia does. They have those offensive linemen that's going to literally take you and pick you up and move you out that gap. We have to be – the best thing, I wish Coach Elliott would have never left. That was the worst mistake we ever made in our life, letting him go. Yeah, and you see what he's doing at Georgia State, and I, I saw you in the comments talking about Sean Elliott, and you know, obviously, again, he's he's doing great things at State, and they they gave us hell week one, and you know, if not for a couple of block punts, the result in that game may have been completely different. Kelsey, I, I got to ask you, man, and get your take on the run defense. I mean, you mentioned Zach Pickens earlier, and I know you're not trying to single out one guy, but obviously, he's a very uh, he's a notable player, right? Former five star guy, and a guy we're depending on heavily, and. Um, again, I know you take into account competition, whatever, but three straight games, Kelsey, to start the year, you've given up over 200 yards rushing. I mean, obviously that's something that never even remotely happened when you were playing. What are you seeing specifically from the defensive front, man? Because again, you know, we, we've, we talked to others and I know you'd agree with this. I mean, no matter how much football changes, it's the line of scrimmage game. And if you can run the ball and you can stop the run, you can win and vice versa. If you can't run the ball and you can't stop the run, you're just going to get your ass beat, bottom line. And that, that's what you're seeing at this point. Are, are you seeing anything specifically? I know you mentioned mentality and, and attitude and all that. I mean, anything specifically from the defensive front, the linebackers, the defense as a whole that's leading to such abysmal play against the run? Well, I think we can – you can't just blame the defensive line because – I was fortunate enough to have Shaq Wilson. Uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to have some guys, Gerard Golightly, all those guys that I had good linebackers. And as linebackers in the defensive front, especially how we play that four seed, because they basically play the same thing that we played when I was down there. We got to be more downhill. We got to be more, you know, the game is going to more movement, more, you know, we're going to slant this way and slant that way. We we really wasn't that way. We were – I hated Coach Lauren at first because I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of doing block reads every single day. That's all we did every single day, block reads, block reads, down block, double team, double team, double team. But it worked. You know, that's the stuff that 
at some point, Chris, we gotta let we gotta let our nuts drop and say, look, this I know this guy about to double team me. I'm ashamed. I know this by guy about to double team. Let me get my get me get in my gap, do what I need to do, get these two guys on different levels. But as linebackers, we gotta get downhill and play more physical and pull these double teams off our guys so we can go make plays. And I mean don't get me wrong. The effort running to the ball, the guys run to the ball to get to the ball. But by the time it's time to run to the ball, I mean, it's 30, 40 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I say mentality a lot because football is – football is – and I played for the Colts. It was said football is played 90% from the neck up. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you – We, we lost Kelsey there. <laughs> where did the service go? I don't know where Kelsey's at. He's losing service. Uh, Kelsey, you there, my man? All right. Kelsey, call back in if you can. I was actually really, really intrigued to hear what he had to say. Um, football, 90% from the neck up, and then it cuts out. So, um, anyways, I, I mean, I just – I think Kelsey Corals was some fantastic insight, you know. Um I think if I – I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I think what he's probably going to get to. I mean, defense, it, it, it's a lot of a mentality thing. Tackling, it's a lot of mentality thing. Um, it's, it's simply want to. I mean, being a good tackler, I feel like, is want to. You know what I mean? If, if we're recruiting guys and we got guys at this level that, you know, that uh, that don't want to tackle or, or that, that, that have bad bad fundamentals tackling, that that is a problem. That's a problem. Um, Kelsey, if you want to call back in, hey, let's jump into let's jump into a quick five minute break. We'll try to get Kelsey Corals back on the line if he wants to call in on the other side, guys. We'll be back. Uh, more of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side of the break. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls. I had a little snack over the break. <laughs> Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. Kelsey Quarles. Kelsey, if you'd like to call back in, my dude, um, go ahead and do so. Sorry, guys. Go ahead and do so. Um, I think we lost service there at the end. But Kelsey Quarles sharing his insight, guys. And it's, um, again, coming from somebody like that who's had so much success wearing the garnet and black and, and doing what those guys did. When he played at USC, man, doesn't that feel, unfortunately, feel like eons ago. <laughs> So, anyways, I'd love to hear from you all as well. Let's get back into your questions. Hey, the phone lines are open. If you guys want to call in, the phone lines are indeed open. So, a lot of comments about the OC. Coach Ford, Kelsey sees what all of us that trust our eyes more than Beamer have been seeing. Now we are learning the team has put out with the junk, this is a turning point for Beamer. He will be the manager and galvanize this team and make changes, or he will soon join the ranks of former coaches. Unfortunately, Tanner's too busy with Dawn Staley to do <laughs> to do his job. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Here we go. Let's jump to the phone line. Call from Bree. Bree, what's going on? How are you? 
Hey, Chris, I was about to not call because I don't want Kelsey to call and then you're on the line, you know, but, um, and I only got a brief moment. I, I'm, I'm doing lunch for my kids. So, I got you. Um, notice from, because I, I told you I was going to watch the press conference, uh, the first part of the show. I didn't hear your thing with uh, the uh, three guys, a guy named three. Yeah, I did three, not hear that. Three, so I don't yeah, know what yeah, he yeah. said. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, did, I don't know exactly what he ended up talking about, but, uh, real quick from the press conference, I'm noticing, um, Marcus kind of threw Spencer under the bus finally. You know, he's really been backing him up. But, you know, he's like, hey, you know, look, man, he's got to improve. So I'm seeing a lot of even the coaches are a little bit more each week. Hey, you know, because I noticed in week one, you know, Beamer said something about Spencer making bad reads when asked about the O-line. So a lot of times when the questions are coming up about the O-line, they're, they're, they're deflecting back to Spencer. So he's, he's starting to he's starting to feel that heat now coming from the coaches even in the interview room. So hopefully that's going to push that kid to do something. Um, I'm also noticing the trend in the last several days that in any in the interviews, athletes and coaches are cert- answering certain questions with, uh, "You need to, to talk to Coach Beamer about that." Mm. And I'm wondering if that's because certain things leak out that they didn't want to have leak out or whatnot, and so now they're saying, hey, look, you know what, maybe they put some handcuffs on what can be said in the media, and, you know, and Coach Beamer has to answer certain questions. You know what I mean? I, ha- I hadn't seen that until just recently. Right. Um, Marcus did talk about one thing that, you know, somebody had commented about um, when I was talking about Jaheim and blocking and things and stuff like that. Somebody said, well, Jaheim doesn't like to block. Marcus was very complimentary of Gene, even though he hasn't been making passes, but he has made a huge stride and he's opened up plays that people aren't noticing in his blocking. So uh, hopefully we'll keep seeing that. Sounds like the Wildcat call with uh, Joyner coming in. And this isn't just from the conference, but it's from watching, you know, I watch a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you know that by now. Um, and different, different clips and things. A lot of people are referring to, making it seem more like this wasn't a Satterfield call as much as it was maybe a call by committee, which isn't any better to me. But, you know, I guess they're trying to take a little heat off of Satterfield and go, hey, look, you know, the team kind of made a choice up front that there was a certain situation we want to call in and get that wildcat going. So, um, Clayton White had some positives on his defense, and I can back those up with the stats that I had seen and, and looked at. They actually didn't do bad against the Georgia running backs or the Arkansas running backs, for that matter. Um, they are getting penetration, but they're missing tackles on the QB. I mean, Stetson Bennett and K.J. Jefferson killed us with the legs. So those are skewing the rushing defense stats a little bit because it's like, you know, we had some some big, run, run, uh, some big QB plays versus, hey, you know, these weren't necessarily dialed up run plays that we didn't defend well. We had some big scrambles that – that, that gave a lot of rushing numbers. That doesn't excuse it because a lot of those plays, like I said, uh, as Kelsey had talked about um, our elites on the line, you know, I'm seeing Jordan Birch get through. I'm seeing Zach Pickens get through. They're getting penetration, but they're missing tackles. They're not always wrapping them up. Um, they're not getting those solo tackles. Most of um, Zach Pickens' tackles are all lots of assisted tackles. He's not stepping up and making those big plays that he needs to make as a five-star athlete. That's for sure. Um, but they are getting penetration. They are showing promise. Um, and then to talk about the turnovers, and I'm going to tell you one thing that I noticed and I have been noticing that um, people are – and we're talking about not getting turnovers. I noticed our DBs, they're not really turning around and looking for interceptions like they were last year. 
Um, they're playing. I mean, they they did this some last year, but they're playing a lot of face face guarding. You know, they're not turning around. Um, e man missed one that was kind of brought up about where E man missed one in Arkansas, where it was like a double coverage, and he could. I think it might actually been the Georgia game. I can't remember. Yeah, it was the Georgia game maybe. But maybe he needed to turn around because he had double coverage there, but he never turned around, and he ends up getting a, um, I think, a penalty for it. So those guys are not turning around and looking for the ball on the, in the DBs. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about the defense, you know, because there are some struggles that the defense is having, you know, because they're how offense that's not giving them, you know, a lot of rest. Um, and it, but it's a vice versa thing, right. you know. I mean, it's it, it, as Kelsey said, there's there's something across the board that's got to be diagnosed, you know. And I'm still hoping, and I'm at the hope that it's going to work itself out the next couple of weeks. Right. You know what I mean? But obviously, once we get to Lexington, that's where all these positive notes that we're taking, and all the positives that we're seeing that the coaches are still highlighting, um, that those are going to be. Um, you know, the key factors that turn the season around once we get to Lexington. And then um, other than that, the only thing like I, I had noticed was that um, Marcus kind of uh, deflected the – what was it he was talking about? Sorry, hold on. There was one thing he kind of – hell. He, he was. I saw. I, 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 saw didn't write, actually, I didn't write in a note. I, I saw actually he was asked about the, uh, the Josh Van clip. <laughs> I don't know if you anybody else noticed. Yeah, that, but, that was uh, it. That was the one. Yeah, he kind of deflected that, didn't he? Didn't he kind of deflect that just yeah, a little so bit? Yeah, like, so the quote oh, was, yeah, you know, ha, 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 yeah, we laughed it off, but it sounds like he's not happy about yeah, it. Either, said so. the, <laughs> the quote that I see was, uh, you know, asked about the Josh Van clip, said, quote, he came up here and he was like, I need to apologize to you, end quote. So said in short, it was no big deal. Play in question was a base concept. He still wants South Carolina to be able to repeat week week. So I haven't watched the video of that answer. Which I'll be doing that after this. Well, he, but, uh, yeah. he also said right after that, though, that initially he didn't. Then somebody showed him the Twitter clip that when Josh Van had come in and apologized, maybe he wasn't aware of what he was apologizing for. And then after the after he walked out the office and somebody showed him the Twitter clip, he was a little pissed about it. So, but he kind of yeah. deflected it too. He definitely deflected yeah. it. So, oh, yeah. but yeah. I don't know, man. That's it, man. That's all I picked up, you know, in the last 24 hours. I don't have a lot to share from from anything that I've seen. I, I just caught those uh, news conferences this morning, and, and that's kind of the things I picked up. You know, um, uh, Clayton, like I said, the big thing with the defense was Clayton talking about, hey, they are getting penetration and they are getting stops on the run plays. They're just they're missing the QBs and they're missing tackles. Right. You know, that, that's killing them. So that's definitely killing them. You know, and and that's not even a scheme thing. That's not a scheme thing. You know, if the, if the guys are in position and they're missing the tackles and they're missing the interceptions that are there, that's a little bit on the players as well. You know, so um, that's that's that like I don't know, E man stepping up right like Kelsey's talking about. He's got that heart. He's there to play for Columbia and he's making all these hits, man. He, he's physical. And maybe the other players aren't playing for the right reason. They're not turning around and being as physical as they need to be. They're in the right position. They're not making the tackles. Right. I don't know. So, hopefully that gets fixed. If it doesn't, it's a bad season, guys. I'm yes. telling you. Yeah. No, if those yeah. things don't get fixed, it's a bad season. Yeah. No, indeed. I agree with you. Bree, I, I appreciate the call. Insightful as always. Yep. Um, I got to go. Yeah. We'll definitely talk soon. Later. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's get to a couple of texts we've got here, guys. Uh, somebody texted in my prediction for the game this Saturday. South Carolina 45, Charlotte 21. 
We have the potential to score many more points than that, but I just can't predict it until I see it happen in a game. I think it's going to take 50-plus points on offense to satisfy our fan base, though. I don't even know if that <clears> – <throat> I, don't, I don't know if that will satisfy. Uh, let's see. Here we go. we got another text from a 404 number. Everything our offense does looks so hard. We run the ball and the defense is in the hole. We throw out in the flats and the defender is there to meet the receiver. We throw the ball anywhere else. Every pass is defended. If we catch it, we're tackling the spot. If we don't score 50 and score in every possession, we truly are in big trouble. Actually, that was yesterday. Today's text says, assuming we win the next two games and beat Mizzou and Vandy, we're going to have to steal a game from Tennessee, A&M, Kentucky, or Florida. Who do you think is our best chance? That's a great question. Um... You know, because I picked you in the preseason to beat Kentucky and Florida. I'd say at this point, Florida's the best chance, right? I'd say Florida is the best chance because I, I think out of that group of teams, I think everybody else is above them. So I'd probably say Florida's the best chance. But I mean, dude, realistically, think about it. You, you're going to win the next two. Let's say you beat Mizzou and Vandy. I mean, you still have to win another game to get to bowl eligibility. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Uh, got another text. Will Rattler be able to keep calm under pressure against Charlotte? You'd certainly hope so. Also, will the play calling on third down be creative and not just a run down the middle on a long third and eight? <laughs> we can only hope, my friend. We can only hope. Anyways, guys, phone lines are still open. I want to say thank you to Kelsey Quarles, man, for calling in. That's so cool. So cool to get Kelsey's perspective and insight and everything else. Um, really, really do appreciate you, Kelsey. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. AJ Bowers, how are you feeling right now, AJ? If y'all don't know, AJ is one of the most garnet glasses, optimistic Gamecocks you'd ever meet. I don't even think AJ is is uh, is feeling that right now. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I always see AJ commenting. He thinks we're going to win every single game. Uh, Jeff Gulledge, here's a good point. Is anyone scared of another school taking Sat away from us? That should tell everyone what they need to know about Satterfield. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. It's a great point. That's a great point. So, um, you got to use this weekend, man, to build some confidence. You, you got to use this weekend to get something rolling. You, you got to get something rolling. So, <clears throat> you got to get something rolling. I, I don't know. Hunter Johnson says, I still think GAs, they got to go after. Clayton will be fine. We just don't have an offense that doesn't go three and out, four straight drives to start the game. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I understand it's a team game. I, I really, really do. I, but I just I just feel like the entire football team's not playing well, dude. I, it's not. I mean, it's it's a big-time offensive deal, like, for sure. It's a big-time thing on the offense. But uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it's, just, it's just brutal, man. It's just brutal. It's tough. It's tough to talk about. It's tough to watch. Um. You know, I, I think I saw Austin Greer comment earlier about apathy possibly setting in. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we're at that point. I, I don't know that we're at that point. I mean, listen, I think a lot less folks are excited about these next two games. Right? I, I, I think so. I think so. A.J. Bowers says, if we can't score 45 to 50 against Charlotte as the worst defense in the entire country, then something needs to change uh, big time. This game can't be close. No, it cannot be. It cannot be. No, it, it needs to be a blowout. Brandon Wagner says, Jimmy Lindsay should really get some more heat. Call from Brian Lattimore. 
Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's good to hear from you. What's going on? Oh, not too much. Uh, I wanted to point out a statistic to you that I'm not sure anybody else has. So if anybody else has, just tell me. But did you realize this is the first time under, the Gamecocks under Shane Beamer have been under 500? I did not think about that. I, I, that's actually a really, really good point. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, because they never dipped below 500 last year. So very, very good point, my friend. So you know, I kind of wanted to build on that point a little bit. You know, a lot of people. The fan base is a little split on, you know, how we look at cupcake games, you know, good good teams versus, you know, just your, your guaranteed wins like we're supposed to see this weekend, right? You know, it, the good part about having those cupcake games at the beginning of the season, like a lot of other teams do, is it gives you that chance to get into your rhythm. We just haven't had that chance. And I think you see an entirely different football team this year if you had a couple games like that to start the season. You know, I think we just kind of got – you know, each Georgia State was, you know, was a tough game, not a guaranteed win by, you know. But, you know, especially having Arkansas and Georgia back to back after that, it's just. Yeah. It I kind mean, of just kills the yeah. morale in the, in the locker room. Well, and I mean, again, too, you know, Brian, you, you brought up the point, and it's everybody picked us to start one and two. It's just how it's happened. But, I'm, but to your point, I mean, I, I just, I continue to go back to the Georgia State game. It's like, you know, if we had looked impressive against Georgia State, and then lost the next two exactly the same way we had. I think the mood's different. But, like, we haven't done anything worth a shit. Like, hardly. You know what I mean? Like, not even against Georgia State did we look impressive. And you can, you can, you know, people were furious at me after the first game for, for not being more cheerful and happy because, you know, come on, man. We won by 21, man. Like, what? You, you just, you find some joy. Find some joy. Like, everybody, but it's like, Nah, man. Like, like it just we we look like shit. The offense still yeah. looks like trash. Like that was the whole reasoning why I felt that way, you know. And so now we go into this Charlotte game, or we leave this Georgia. Game. We have nothing positive to cling to. Hardly the only positive thing we've really done this year is block a couple punts and run a couple successful fakes. That's like all we've done. Yeah, for sure. I mean. You know, you look at like last year with, you know, starting the season with EIU, you know, even we struggled a little bit there, you know, but, you know, it's good to have a game like that. You know, I, I feel like, you know, the progression of a game, you know, itself, you know, think about like the quarterback position, right? It's good to start off with, you know, a quick, easy pass, something to instill some confidence into the player mm -hmm. to go out there and continue to build on that, you know, throughout the game. You know, if you go out there and just fall on your face in the first play, you know, that, that just kind of builds up in the opposite direction season I look at the same exact way you know we just didn't start out hot against Georgia State and then you know the last two weeks it just seemed brutal so I'm really hoping that we get some of that momentum this weekend you know we start figuring some of these things out because ideally you like to start at the beginning of the season but you know this season's not lost this is exactly where we expected to be record-wise you just got to get the you know the confidence built up I think that's that's really just the biggest thing across the board is confidence in the players themselves you know self-confidence for them but also confidence in the players around them. You know, like Rattler does not look comfortable. You know, everybody kind of pointed that out, just called in, talked about it. He doesn't look comfort comfortable with people around him. You know, they, they, those guys have to have a chance to gel and really just understand that, hey, those guys in front of me are going to do their job. Mm -hmm. You know, whether they do or not, you know, you know it's a play-by-play -play situation. 
You know, sometimes people are just they're just gonna get sacks. It happens, right? Mm. But for the most part, you gotta have confidence. Those guys in front of you are gonna do your job, and those guys in front of you and your receivers, or whatever, they gotta have confidence, and their quarterback's gonna do their job. You know, Spencer needs to stick in there. And I said that multiple times throughout the game too. He's just running away from the pocket. You know, he's got a good pocket there. He's gotta step up, step up, stand in the pocket, and make the throw. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just sitting here thinking while you're saying all that. It's just like. I don't know, man. Like, why do we make offense look so hard? It's just like, man, it, it, like, you'd, you'd think it's like the hardest thing ever to score points. And, and it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, it's, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, all I know is this. We need to score 50 plus two straight weeks. That, that's it. We, we, we just badly need to. We badly need to. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, in the Discord, you know, like, like a team like Tennessee, you know, very similar programs, but. Man, I'd kill to be a Tennessee fan right now. You know, they, they may not win every game on their schedule, but at least it's fun. At least they're competitive in the games they do play. Mm-hmm. Now they can go out there against an equal opponent and just blow them out. You know, they have the opportunity to do that. I don't, I don't know if there's a game on our schedule, you know, an SEC game that we're going to blow somebody out. Hell, even Vandy's look good at times. So, you know, I, I need to see improvement before I can even believe yeah. that that's capable, you know, a capable option. Yeah. Yeah, and again, the way the schedule sets up, man, it's just tough because – you know, we, we've got a comment here from uh, M. Colt Outdoors. I, th- I think he puts it beautifully. He just says these next two games only matter if we lose. In my mind, they can't score enough for it to matter. Kentucky game is what I'm waiting for to see if we can possibly improve. That's probably the harsh truth, too. I, I mean, you know, obviously, again, we'll be locked in on it and looking for, for certain things and, and all that. But uh, I tell you, 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 if you think the fan base is – and I don't think the fan base is checked out. I don't. But, you know, the fan base is kind of up in arms right now. But I tell you, man, if, if we talked about it over the summer, right? Like, what would be the the mood if you go in the bye week, 3-3, three and 0-3 three, oh and three in SEC play? It's, it's just going to be brutal. So, you're not going to beat Kentucky if it doesn't start this weekend and then go in the next weekend and you go into Kentucky hopefully healthy, confident, clicking, and then you can pull off a big win. But it starts this weekend, no doubt. The fan base is in a show-me mentality, you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of what we entered the year with. You know, it was, it was a lot more of a, a subtle feeling, right? You know, we, we had all the optimism in the world. We had eight months feeding off that bowl game, believing that, wow, you know, that that's our offense now. But reality is, so, you know, showing that, you know, that, that's not our offense. That was right. exactly what we said it was. That was a one game. We came, you know, we came out and we threw a complete surprise at North Carolina, a terrible defense as it is, and it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it worked for, to perfection for that one game. But it's not something that we could repeat, in, you know, week in and week out. So, sure, if we had a month to prepare for every game on our schedule, maybe we could show a little bit better, but we don't. So, you know, it just kind of is what it is. We got we to gotta, show us that we can do it on the field. You know, because at this point, they lost pretty much every believer that they had. Yep, got to get them back. Got to earn them back. Got to earn them back. Got to do on the field, like you said, man. It's, I, you know, I understand these coaches and everybody. They got to do their media availabilities and they got to do what they got to do every week. But man, I'm, I just, you know, hearing comments like Marcus Satterfield made about, you know, I, I, nobody wants to hear it. We're, we're, it takes time. We're getting close. You're right. Nobody wants to hear it. We don't. Nobody. N- n- nothing matters except, at the end of the day, what are you doing on the field? You know, put up numbers, put up points. That's literally all we care about. So, 
Yeah, you know, I'm really torn because I'm, you know, I'm really tired of the revolving door of coaches, you know, it's what it seems like every other year in our program. Because I, I don't, I don't believe that that's how you build a program. You, right. know, you can't just go out there and continue firing coaches over and over again and expect things to improve because that's not how it works. But at the same time, you know, I just still waiting on some sort of show, you know, some sort of quantitative progression here. And right. you know, I just, I find it really hard that we can point to any direction and say, you know, hey, we're improving in that direction. You know, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I I agree. Dude, I, Brian, I agree with you 110%, my friend. All right, well, uh, I'll catch you next time, man. Brian, I appreciate the call, my dude. Thanks so much. Great stuff from Brian Lattimore. Let's see. Kelsey Quarrel says, next week, all quarterbacks get a quarter, both games. Whoever does the best and shows they can do it, the best job gets the nod. Quit handing jobs out and create competition. Let the best player call from Chase Floyd. Chase, what's up, man? How are you? I'm uh, here working on the hump day. How about how are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Uh, not much. I just wanted to uh, put a comment that I heard yesterday while uh, when I got home last night. I was listening to Fine Ball, mm-hmm. and a caller called in. Uh, who's down in Columbia, who calls in a lot for him. And he made the comment that I hadn't heard anybody else mention, but he said local radio had mentioned it yesterday, um, that they noticed during the Georgia game, every pass attempt, Rattler was wiping his hands on his towel. And the run and the run plays, he wasn't. And they said he – he heard the radio people talk about it, and then he went home and rewatched it, and sure enough, it happened. Now, I don't know. I was just wondering if you've heard any of that or or if this is the first time you're hearing about it, because that, that kind of surprised me. I, mean, I, I mean, I hadn't picked up a, on it in live, you know, while it happened, but it just makes you wonder, you know, from a opponent perspective, is coaching picking up on that? Was that just Georgia? Did it happen in other games? Because – I was going, I got home today, I, I thought about trying to put it on and just watching a couple of first series because that's about all, you know, there wasn't really much to re-watch in that game. But it was kind of interesting because I know you've had some callers call in about breaking down stuff, and I haven't heard them talk about that. That was something that was brought up to Feinbaum yesterday, and I thought it was interesting because, I mean, you know there's tendencies and stuff that coaches obviously are going to pick up on breaking down film and stuff. And I was just wondering if that was something that might have been showing that, you know, nobody's really talked about. Yeah, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. But uh, yeah, that's indeed the case. It, it, it's that's got to be corrected, man. It's, and that's that's yeah, that's not good. I mean, it it, right. I, I, it reminds me of like tipping pitches in baseball. You know, and, and pitchers do certain things where they lick their fingers or the way they right. position their glove or you know, they just do some sort of thing that tips what pitch they're throwing. So I mean, it, it, dude, you, you Georgia's good enough. SEC teams are good enough. Without your help, so if I mean it, it might sound small to some people, but yeah, if you're if every time you wipe your towel, you know you're you're wiping your hands because you're about to grip the football to throw it. Well, I mean that's something a defense obviously do. Those guys are seeing it. There's no question. So right, and, and, and I know that split second. That's a split second decision. I mean I know they're not yelling across the field probably past. Well, they might. I don't know. But in a player's mind, they might. The coaching staff might have said, "All right."
Did we just lose Chase there? Chase. Chase Lloyd. Everybody else Chase. said not just him, but it is interesting hearing uh, Satterfield and them talking, taking a look, putting a little more pressure on uh, on him. Because, I mean, it is we're going into week four, and these next two weeks are very critical in just getting pra basically practice reps. Now, you better show up and show out. Right. But, I mean, like you said, the meat of the schedule is going into Kentucky. And if we want to have any type of success or even a bowl game, we we got to kick it into another gear. Or not not just one, but maybe two gears next half the season. And I hate to wish the season away like that because, my God, we've waited for months for this. And it's just hopefully these next two weeks, little stuff like that can get corrected because, uh, you know, uh, there's not going to be any easier games going after these next two. So yeah. it's very critical. So that's, I'll take it off the air because i got to get back on the road, but I'll be listening like always. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, go Cox. Love the show. Thanks, Kelsey, for calling in. That was awesome. Chase, I'll talk I'll, to you later, Chris. Yeah, appreciate you, man. You're the best. Appreciate it. Great stuff from our guy, Chase Floyd, fellow Big Cock Club member. Appreciate Chase. Um, yeah, that's that's. I did not hear that until now. So if 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 <clears throat> if Spencer's indeed doing that, that's that's got to be that's that's got to be fixed. It's got to get fixed. I don't know. Uh, Tim Dorn says, "What's up with the Big Spur show?" Uh, Tim, I don't know. What do you mean? I, I don't. I'm literally confused. Um. I would assume we'll probably go back on there either tomorrow or Friday. Maybe we won't go on this week. Heck, I don't know. Shut the phone lines here. Call from Rebecca. To accept, press. Rebecca, what's going on? How are you? Good. Sorry, I could get through. I've been wanting to talk football, and you got my number blocked, and I had to use my grandfather's number. Um. Anyway, I did knew that we was going to get beat by Georgia. I knew we was. And I wanted to uh, say that and hopefully we can beat this other team this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know. And yeah, we, 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 need a, we need a big win for sure. We need a very big win. No doubt. Right. Definitely. And I thought I'd call them and save my piece. You know, uh, I knew that we was going to get beat from Georgia. I knew it right off the bat. Everybody was like, got their hopes up and everything. And I was like, Really? <laughs> like, I have a friend that is a Georgia Bulldog fan. Really? I knew we was going to get, I knew we was going to get beat. So I went ahead and gra uh, congratulate him on this team. Mm -hmm. So, no harm, no foul, you know? Right, right. Because there ain't no sense in ruining a relationship with a friend or anything over a football game or anything like that. You, you, you know what I'm saying? No lies told. You're right. No lies told. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who is it that we play and what channel? We got Charlotte. Time? We got Charlotte Saturday night, 730 kickoff. 
on ESPNU. Okay. Hopefully I got that because I'm going to be somewhere before Kansas. That's besides the point. But uh, thank you for letting me know. Rebecca, going once. Rebecca, going twice. Rebecca, going three times. Rebecca is off the line. Here we go. Okay, we got two minutes to go, guys. Appreciate you all tuning in. Um, somebody said, I'm not even going to read it, but. Rebecca, that was Rebecca. Justin Martin says, hey, I sent you a text message. Justin, I appreciate you, my guy. Uh, Justin says, Shane Beamer must get his arms around the offensive coordinator, else the season may flop. I don't like where South Carolina football is headed. Uh, Justin, not many of us do. I, you know, I, I, I think if you can bounce back and have a pair of, like, 40-point wins, I, I think it'll at least have us feeling a little bit better and some hope and optimism going into the Kentucky game. Because that, that's, again, that's where the season's going to come to a head. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Guys, I haven't even mentioned this throughout the show, but check out the podcast that dropped this morning, episode 705, uh, full takeaways from Shane Beamer's press conference. Of course, best bet and SEC gambling picks for week four. Also, fantastic conversation with Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. I appreciate SEC Mike taking the time. He gave his honest, unfiltered takes and opinions on Gamecocks football, we also talk SEC football. Really, really good stuff with SEC Mike. Truly appreciate him taking the time to chat. Other than that, guys, Daily Crows live all week. Podcast, of course, today. And then Friday, we'll talk Charlotte. We'll break down the game. I'll lock in my prediction, all that good stuff. Um, and outside of that, content bleeding out of the eyeballs. As you saw yesterday, I, I tell you, one of the reasons I love talking Gamecocks Number one is because of you all, the relationship that we have with each other, right? The relationship I've built with people. But I tell you, as a content creator, South Carolina, such a fun team to cover because the drama just never stops. Like the drama around USC, for whatever reason, good, bad, and different, it never stops. It never stops. Guys, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.